0: You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Let's have a look at the world and the world of markets through the eyes of Joanne Bainham from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. I saw a tweet from you, uh, Joanne, which says the following which explains markets best. And it's like people participate in this. The first one is tech has pricing power. That got 11% of the vote. DCFs don't matter, 16%. Bots running money, 27%. And markets are broken, 46%. Not exactly the most conclusive of surveys. But what was your motivation for this?
1: My motivation was because I'm trying to make sense of current market moves. And if I look at the data out there, it looks truly diabolical, and yet equity markets continue to rally. So what I was trying to find out was why, and is is it because markets just generally don't make sense, and you know markets go up and down, and often in the short term there's no rhyme or reason why they do it, or was there something behind it? And I thought the survey was just to get a feel from Twitter what people were thinking. And, I, and what I was imp- what I was surprised by is that how many people thought markets are broken in yeah. other words they just don't make sense it's and an may-
0: ambiguous a sentence though, or, or statement markets are broken what does that mean you have to go more in depth but maybe we should start with the ones that got the least i.e tech has pricing power i suppose you mean the big tech companies can um because of the barriers to entry they can charge what they like is that what you're saying there
1: yeah i'm basically saying they still have very strong cash flow despite higher inflation rates and they can pass on price increases because we are, there's no doubt about it at the moment. Inflation is much higher and is breaking all levels. No one expected inflation to be this high. Certainly not central banks. They got it horribly wrong. And look, admittedly, a lot of people thought inflation would be high. But I think these numbers that are coming out now are truly eye-watering. Eye- <laughs> They're yes. so high. I don't know if you've seen the ones out of Spain coming out of Germany. I mean, it's just we haven't seen numbers like this in years and years and years. Now, admittedly, a lot of these inflation numbers are supply-led. They're not, not through huge, massive demand, but there's still a demand element there as well. It's not completely supply-led. So central banks are watching this, must be watching it with absolute horror. So my point about you know tech has pricing power, in a world where sort of the rhetoric appears to be that central banks will remain behind the curve, you want to be in companies that can pass on price increases because inflation is going to be stickier for longer is kind of my logic. So that's why I was trying to understand why tech was going up so much. And the tech companies, you know, the Googles, the Alphabets, the Amazons, et cetera, do appear to have more pricing power than most other companies.
0: They do. And also companies like Apple. Let's not forget Apple. I mean, look at the, the performance. No, let's of not forget Apple. We, we mustn't yeah. forget Apple because it doesn't matter what they say. The next The next phone that comes out will have a 10% price increase or an 8% or inflation-linked Price increase, or even a component-linked price increase, because the components that they use are in short supply, first of all, and the actual materials that they need for those components are going through the roof. Uh, so they can pass it on, but no one will care because I know I'm not going to buy anything else. I'm not going to buy a Huawei or a, or a Samsung because I'm I'm too old to to change now. So I'll buy it and I'll I'll swallow the extra if I. I'm in the position to do so. So it it is extraordinary the way that there are certain companies that people will always use. I will always use Amazon. I always use Apple. I will always Google rather than Yahoo. And it's irritating me because Yahoo's got some, there's some virus on my new laptop, which means that instead of Google, I get Yahoo. But that doesn't matter. The point is loyalty is very, very important because we are of an age, um, Joanne, you're not quite of the same age as me, but we are of an age where we don't change
1: that's also true but there's another aspect to these companies they are incredibly cash generative so not all tech companies clearly but these big mega cap companies are very cash generative and what they've also been doing is buying their own shares back so Mm. you've got a combination of having supposedly some pricing power I do think on the apple side of things i think whilst yes they might be able to pass price increases on people might hold their phones for longer so that, that replacement cycle might take a bit longer. But then we know that Apple phones stop working after about two years often. So yeah. maybe that's a different story. <laughs> Very clever. that say the memory disappears and batteries stop working. But the point is, these companies are probably in a better position than a lot of other companies. And clearly, energy is another one of them like a lot of precious metal companies are also very good on from an inflation perspective. And, you know, just as an aside, that's why I think we've seen the RAND so strong this year, because people have been trying to buy real assets in a world where inflation keeps picking up. And South Africa has a lot of real assets through its commodity complex. And that's why the RAND's been so strong. So you've got, you know, the, the market is saying, what? how do we protect our money from going backwards from an inflation perspective? Hence, tech was one of the ideas I came up with. What I was more surprised by was um, people saying DCFs don't matter. Okay, you, you have, co-
0: you'll have to tell uh, everyone what a DCF is because it's another acronym that many people will not know. DCF, please.
1: Okay, so discounted cash flow. So ultimately, the value of a company is the sum of its discounted cash flows into the future. Now, in that sentence alone, you've got future cash flows, which a lot of people you know, often guess at, but the discount rate normally known in the market and we've got a very good idea that the discount rate or the interest rate from the central bank is going up okay we know that the fed keeps telling us it's going up so all things being equal if the future cash flows are high but the discount rate goes up the current present value of your share should drop because the future cash flows are worth less now because the discount rate's gone up it's just a mathematical concept and people are saying to me well it doesn't matter because, you know, there's just so much money still in the system, despite the Fed raising rates or attempting to raise rates. There's still so much money looking for a new home. And I think the other thing with why DCFs perhaps don't matter right now, I think they should, but perhaps why they don't, is because people don't buy bonds. Why on earth would a rational investor buy U.S. Treasuries right now when inflation is so arguably so much higher than the current rate you've been compensated for? And even future expectations of inflation are rising. I think it's the thing the central bank's most terrified of, because if we look at inflation expectations, they're rising everywhere. And that's why this time around, famous last words probably, I don't think the Fed has your back. I don't think that the markets fall a lot. The Fed's rushing in to save the day. So that's another reason I'm looking at markets going, why are they so complacent? Because we've had 10 years of massive liquidity, And I think that's changing. Well, it is
0: changing. On the other hand, the markets haven't fallen in a heap. They had a wobble uh, four, four and a half weeks ago. They had the wobble, but the wobble has now stabilised. And we've got an S&P that is within touching distance of an all-time record high. So I don't think the Fed needs to worry about, um, as as you quaintly put it, having our backs because they don't need to. They've done their thing. It's been a relatively smooth transition. Bond yields at one stage of the 10-year went to 2.55%, I think about a week ago. It's back to 2.33% as we record this podcast. But no, they, they don't need to. I think they've done it rather smoothly, a little bit late, but a very smooth transition from complete liquidity flood and low interest rates to pulling in liquidity quantitative tightening in other words and rising interest rates so in a way i'm begrudgingly admire them
1: okay then there's another school of thought that says they haven't actually started tightening yet they're Mm -hmm. still in quantitative easing so i think tightening starts quite soon the other thing is the market doesn't believe the fed the market thinks the Fed's going to blink because the market says, wait a minute, the only way you keep inflation under control is to bring on a recession. You will never raise rates as much as you keep claiming. So we don't believe you. And I'm saying to you <laughs> that I actually, in this case, think the Fed has no choice. The market's so used to the Fed backing off, being a wimp. You can see the comments that people are writing about the Fed. They'll never do it. They'll never raise rates like this. I think they're looking at the inflation numbers and are genuinely, genuinely cornered. And I don't think they've done a good job. I think they should have raised rates a long time ago. Yes. And I think this time rather they have to be forced to raise rates a lot more aggressively than they perhaps would want to have done so. Because I think the inflation genie, there's a big risk of coming out the bottle. And I think they're looking at the inflation expectations and they're genuinely worried. Because if you look at wage inflation, it's picking up. And that's the one number that once you could give someone a wage inflation increase, you can't turn around So sorry, you can't have it anymore.
0: Yeah, but don't forget, so you're, not, I, I, you're, not, you're not talking about the Turkish Central Bank here. You're not going to get that no. uh, type of scenario where they wake up one morning and say, wait a second, inflation is now 9%, not 7% and uh, it could go higher even though I I tend to think it won't do but uh, because of the easing off of commodity prices. And you have to keep on feeding commodity prices in order order to keep on feeding inflation, Joanne, as you you well know. But they're not going to do a turkey on us and they're going to keep it at 25 basis points, maybe more frequently than expected, but certainly not 50 and 75 or even 1% at a time. Don't you agree?
1: Look, I mean, it's impossible to understand what the Fed's going to do. Because, as I said, I think the Fed's cornered. But to your point about equity markets being virtually back to their all-time highs and taking the Fed rate hikes in their stride, I'm saying I think the market's telling you they don't think the Fed will do it, and I think the Fed will. So my my argument to the markets at the moment, we've seen this incredible rally from low levels. There was huge fear in the markets, Ukraine, Russia, et cetera, and rising inflation numbers. Personally, I think this is a sell the rip, not buy the dip. And it's very hard to call short-term timing movements, but I certainly would be a a massive buyer of risk assets right now. I I think you're getting a great opportunity to fix your portfolio if you've got too much risk. And I would be taking some chips off the table because I just don't see the Fed changing its tune right now. I I think the market's being far too complacent.
0: Okay, next one, number three in your four point <laughs> survey, bots running money. Now, I mean, when we first met Joanne ten, eleven years ago, if I'd have said to you bots running money, you would have said a bigger pardon. What would the f- <laughs> you have to explain what this rubbish means?
1: Well, what I'm saying is robots, bots.
0: Mm.
1: An awful lot of the trading today on stock markets you is mean done by human beings. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Algorithms,
1: okay. yes. Okay. <laughs> An awful lot of trading is done by algorithms. So th- the feeling is often when you get the economic data, you think the market will react one way and it reacts completely a different way because the AI picked up something in the data that the human being can't pick up at the same speed and does something completely different. Uh, I guess three and four pre- the same concept really Bots running the show or well, markets are broken and what I mean by markets are broken they just don't seem to be following the traditional rules anymore because if you if you'd argued as most people have for the last 10 years it didn't matter about fundamentals market went markets were going up because there was just so much excess liquidity if you recall the Tina argument there is no alternative you know interest rates are so low um, central banks have your back keep buying equities it's risk on and yet now, despite all that, we've got a tightening liquidity environment coming. We've got central banks raising rates. I think even the ECB at some point will raise rates because they're probably so terrified of these inflation numbers. And, and yet markets keep going up. They're ignoring it. And I'm just saying to you, so wait a minute, the last 10 years was also wrong then. So the markets didn't go up on liquidity then. Is that the new argument? Liquidity doesn't matter because nobody seems to care right now. And hence my comment, markets are broken. They clearly aren't broken. Markets are unbelievably efficient. But I think what I was trying to get out of that survey is to what were people thinking? And I think a lot of people are just shaking their heads, going, it doesn't make a lot of sense right now.
0: Okay. So that means that the, the clever people um, who are running money don't understand. So where does that leave the, the man in the street?
1: No, well, I mean, to be fair, Lindsay, that survey, I think 30 people replied, so it's, it's highly conclusive. Uh, and the clever people have got it right in the short term. The markets have rallied again. Uh, all I'm saying is just if you look at the data on the hard facts, if you look at PMI data coming out around the world, they keep falling. Um, consumer confidence surveys are falling. Um, labor, wage inflation appears to be more entrenched. Inflation expectations are rising. Central banks are tightening. I have no idea when it's going to happen. I'm just saying the environment for equities is worse than it's been for a long time. But I guess on the silver lining, if you really want to be an equity bull, and it's the only thing that makes rational sense to me right now, because as I say, I'm struggling to understand markets, is that people are looking at bonds going, well, I don't want to hold bonds because that's very, very bad investment with negative real returns. I don't want to hold cash either because that's negative real returns. I can't put all my money into real assets, commodities or, you know, direct property. So what what else do I buy? Well, I'll buy equities. Thank you very much. And back to my comment, I'll buy U.S. tech maybe because they seem to have pricing power. And the one economy that seems to be holding it together at the moment is the U.S. I mean, even with the yield curves inverting on various parts of the curve, no one really seems to think the U.S. is going to go into recession. This might be famous last words, but they're still saying the U.S. economy is still very much in rude health. Uh, and so maybe people are saying, let's just buy equities because everything else looks so awful. So maybe, maybe Tina survives another day. Maybe that's the argument that real rates, negative real rates around the world are saying people should continue to buy equities. And that's kind of the only thing that makes any rational sense. But I look at it very mathematically and say, if future cash flows are worth less than they are today, equity markets probably are overvalued.
0: You've given me lots to think about. Joanne, thank you very much for your time. Joanne Bainham is from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position